It's going to be Father's Day in a couple of days, and uh, we've got the beginning of summer. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a film about the life story, based on a true story at least, of Scottish author J.M. Barrie. Get your seats, folks. The show is about to begin. Good evening. Welcome to the beautiful historical marionette theater. And here by my side is my nerd brother, my partner in crime, Mr. Toppy Smelly. Good evening, Toppy. Toppy. I mean, are Are you ready? (laughs) I am. Oh, my God. I'm so sad. Oh, oh, folks, it's our concession stand lady, Gertie. Ger- Gertie, why are you sad? Well, a long, long time ago, I, 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 I tried out to be in Peter. You did. I did. It was way back when they were doing it here at the Marionette Theater. You know what? I was turned down because my bosom was too big. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm very sad. Oh, DJ, what? I don't know what to do for her. Well, DJ, I mean, we we can't really <laughs> give her a hug because uh, social distancing and all that. But, I guess uh, you know uh, maybe we can uh, uh, give her a happy thought through uh, tonight's program. And yeah, uh, okay. So, uh, no. <laughs> Gertie, go downstairs and get ready to do the announcement. Buck up, and and you'll feel better. No. Okay. All right. Whew. All right. She's going to give it the old college try, folks. Round of applause for our senior showgirl. J.M. Barry is an author and playwright who's hit a slump. Distracted from his unenchanted marriage... He makes friends with a family of young boys while at the park. Their mother grieves her late husband and Mr. Barry, his lost youth. As the children have their flights of fantasy with their new friend, Mr. Barry pens an inspired tale of a land where no one grows up and the nearly impossible comes true. Grab your picnic blanket and some play clothes. It's time for Johnny Depp and Kate Winslet in Finding Neverland. Take it away, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Alrighty. So, it's going to be Father's Day in a couple of days, Toppy. And uh, it's also going to be the first day of summer. Who'd have thought it would come so soon, huh? Well, the thing is, it really just seems sudden to me. I can't believe we're halfway through the year. It's just seems impossible and yet here we are you know um partially thanks to this uh pandemic we're going through here uh by the time we hit the holidays i will have spent half the year sitting in this chair (laughs) oh because you're working at home yes but uh (laughs) you know i kind of consider it a promotion though i mean i finally got that office with a view (laughs) <laughs> also, as well as the arrival of summer, we have a very special day that we recognize a, a period in history. It's known as Juneteenth. Now, Toppy, do you know anything about Juneteenth? Very little. I, I, I know the incredible historic footage so well, but the origins of, of how this became um, an ob- uh, something to observe and h- how it got to be called 
what it's called, I, I know nothing about, sadly. Okay, well, Juneteenth is the celebration of the end of slavery, or at least the beginning of the end, and ironically, it took up to two years after Abraham Lincoln gave his famous speech after the Civil War ended. A, a Union general made his way out to Texas to the town of Galveston on June 19th, on uh, 1865 to proclaim the end of slavery. And that is why June 19th is Juneteenth, the end of slavery. But tonight we're here to talk about Father's Day. In fact, we have a very special film that talks about uh, being a father, or at least a father figure. And before I play the trailer, I just wanted to take a moment to reflect and uh, share a couple of thoughts about Father's Day. Now, Toppy, um, do you have any special moments, any favorite memories of maybe growing up that you shared with your dad? So, I think it's really appropriate that we're watching this movie, Finding Neverland, uh, because the, the remembrances I have of my father as a child are that is that my father engaged my brother and I. My brother was one year older than I. My father engaged my brother and I in a very imaginative, submersive ways in, into new worlds, just exactly like Neverland. And my brother and I were often transported to strange new lands uh, of, of uh, my father's imagination, and we were entertained beyond belief. I'm going to just give you one, one single example of uh, one of the things I remember my father doing. So my brother and I slept in the same bedroom. We got up. We went downstairs. It was morning. We opened the door, and the entire living room, we discover, is filled with a cobweb of strings. A cobweb of strings going everywhere it seemed the whole room was filled with all of this just string string everywhere and there was a little note that said uh, to find the treasure uh, follow this end of the string until the end and so my brother and I just started following the string and of course it would wrap around this and go that way and go the other way and wrap around that and seriously the whole house was a cobweb of strings and finally we'd come to the end of of the uh of the string and the uh end of this magical adventure um i don't even remember what the prize was if if anything but uh we did get to the end so there you go just I mean, a totally unexpected uh, magical experience brought to you by uh, brought to us by my father, who treated us to this kind of experience often, um, and that's that's the kind of dad I had. It's been a while since Papa Star Sage has been. In our lives, so thinking back to this, it's more a scattered, you know, a series of memories, not one in particular that stands out most, but I was very fortunate in that I had a stay-at-home father, and some of my memories were uh, taking naps with my dad after lunch while my uh, siblings were still in school, and I wasn't old enough yet. We would watch Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers, and... Um, I remember days when we would pass the time while mom was at work because she worked the night shift and dad and I would go around and we would just do things to pass the time. We would go to like car dealerships and do test drives. We would go to hardware stores because my dad was a building contractor and he wanted to get the next idea for a kitchen remodel or some little side project. And every once in a while, we would go and look at something like an RV or a mobile home, anything that would pass the time. And of course, as I've mentioned before, uh, this very show itself was inspired by my childhood with uh, the Marionette Theater being named after my dearly departed grandmother. Okay, and uh, if you would like, sir, I will go ahead and play the trailer for tonight's film. Let's hear it. Uh, go ahead. 
Who do you belong to? Excuse me, sir. You're standing on my sleeve. I might point out you're lying under my bench. Uh, do you mind just playing with your dog? No, go on. So sorry, my boy's bothering you. Jay and Barry, pleased to meet you. Jay and Barry, the author. He was looking for the inspiration he had lost. Your play this evening. I think I can do better. They were longing for the family they once had. He died, the husband. He left her with four boys. What began as a chance encounter... Perhaps we'll see you here tomorrow, then. ...will forever change their lives. <gasps> James, may I take your hat? <laughs> you are not my father. Peter's a different boy since his father died. It's just a dog. Peter. Just a dog? With a wee bit of imagination, I can see the great bear, Porthos. <laughs> Striving to be some kind of public eccentric. Bang, bang, bang! You should be aware, James, what some people have been saying. Have you no idea how much your friendship has already cost my daughter? The boys need a father. What are you suggesting? Films presents... It's the best you've written, James. The story of a man... What's it like, Neverland? One day I'll take you there. ...who awakened the world's imagination. Young boys should never be sent to bed. They always wake up a day older. And the people... I need to go on pretending with you. ...who inspired him. You have a man who is a fairy, right? And this girl calls herself Tinker. That is Neverland. Johnny Depp, Kate Winslet, Julie Christie, and Dustin Hoffman. You can visit Neverland anytime you like. How? By believing, Peter. Just believe. Finding Neverland. Hmm. If that makes that movie sound very charming it's because it is a very charming movie by the way hey to everybody in the chat room our pal tommy the ever mysterious crone haven and our always present aunt tudor and uh, we thank you for joining us and tommy wrote 9203 is when this movie takes place and uh, and also the movie was released uh, I guess that's what it says. A hundred years after the play first debuted, so that's whether by design or, or that's just coincidence. I don't know. Hmm. So as you were saying, uh, we've got a few folks in the chat room, and uh, we are so glad to have you here tonight. Thanks for dropping by, Tommy and Ann Tudor, and our returning Cronehaven. So here we are with the world in 2004. In 2004, NASA had the Mars rover Spirit and Opportunity land on the Red Planet. And, uh, you know, at last count, they have far outlived their original design. They've been there for years. Uh, the city and county of San Francisco began issuing same-sex marriage licenses in 2004, and it was as an act of civil disobedience because uh, we didn't have marriage equality yet. And in 2004, Senator John Kerry, future uh, Secretary of State, he wins the Democratic nomination for the presidency then. And also a few other things. In 2004, the last Oldsmobile rolled off the assembly line. Toppy, did you ever have an Oldsmobile? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Massachusetts legalized same-sex marriage right behind San Francisco. President Ronald Reagan, the president when I was a little boy, he died at the age of 93, so he had some longevity there. Construction also began on the Independence Tower, and this was at the site of the former World Trade Center. Mm. Also, New Jersey Governor James McCreevy, he publicly announced that he was gay and he was resigning from office that November. 
Different right. days, kids. It was. And the uh, the Chinese computer manufacturer, Lenovo, well, they bought the rights to IBM's global manufacturing businesses. So, you know those fancy laptops you used to have for business called the ThinkPad? Well, those are made by the Chinese company Leno- Lenovo these days. Hmm. Well, normally we also like to say who was born in 2004, who might be stars or celebrities of some sort, but they may may not have quite come along yet. So instead, we'll just talk about some of the celebrities that died that year. And boy, big names died that year. Oh, my goodness. Ann Miller. She was a dancer and actress. She passed away. By the way, Ann Miller, I just got to say, in the 70s. Uh, we had a channel out of New York City, and at the time, somewhere, I don't know, 74, Ann Miller and um, was doing a show with oh, the guy that that done all the movies with Judy Garland. He was a kid then. Andy Rooney. Oh, yes. Uh, um, uh, WPIX. Uh, that's right, Tommy. I'm sorry. What did I say? Anyways. And it was called, I don't remember what it was called, but um, but what I do remember is Ann Miller was all over the place uh, for about three or four years because of this musical. And she was, you know, she was not a young uh, person at that time, but her legs were still beautiful and she still did a lot of dancing. Anybody in the chat room, if you remember what the devil they were in, put it in there. And so uh, uh, Jack Parr, uh, he, he was the first Tonight Show host, and he didn't do it for very long. Uh, Cicely Adams and uh, Moogie uh, was her character in Deep Space Nine. Did I pronounce it right, DJ? Yes, she was Quark's mommy. Ah, Paul Winfield. Oh, I love Paul Winfield. He sadly passed away. Now, this surprises me. Because I would have said Tony Randall must have died years earlier. Tony Randall died in 2004. Hmm. That really, I would have sworn he passed away years before that. Ray Charles, super famous, talented, blind singer and musician. Marlon Brando. (laughs) Well... Yeah, that was a very sad end. Jerry Goldsmith, uh, the composer, Rick James, singer, Julia Child. Oh, save the liver. Uh, she died uh, that year. Rodney Dangerfield, the comedian. No respect. Right. And Christopher Reeves died that year after being years uh, uh, paralyzed and just valiantly uh just became a spokesman for the handicap. And finally, Janet Leigh, or Lee, I'm sorry, and uh, most famous being in uh, Psycho. So, DJ, mm-hmm. let's talk about what was in the theaters. We had 2004, Neverland, Finding Neverland was coming out. What was it competing against? Alrighty. So, in 2004, Finding Neverland, well, of course, it's no secret. We love the underdog here at Matinee Minutia. And uh, Toppy, you want to take a guess where this laid on the uh, the line of box office returns? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, boy, do we not pick up DJ here? <laughs> oh, Lordy. Well, well I, I, I'll tell you that some of the ones that beat out uh, Finding Neverland are, are a couple of films that uh, I'm still curious about but finding neverland it came in at 106 the box office wah, wah. Wow. 22 million that year and uh, it was released in november so it was a it was a feel-good movie it was for the holidays now number one in the theaters that year and uh, it's no s- surprise that the lead actor in finding neverland is a fan of this film shrek 2 with the uh, the voice of um, oh shoot I'm forgetting his name now Mike Myers 
uh, was out that year, and that brought in four hundred and forty-one million. Now, Jeez. the second film is a comic book character that uh, my nerd brother here adores. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't adore this movie so much. <laughs> Spider-Man Two with Tobey Maguire. It was three hundred and seventy-three million. And then, of course, number three, uh, it was the uh, the brainchild of, well, okay, this is my show, so I'm just going to say it. The tinfoil hat wearing Mr. Mel Gibson, The Passion of the Christ, made number three at 370. Now, if The Passion of the Christ can do uh, better than Finding Neverland, there is something seriously wrong in this world. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Number four was Harry Potter, The Prisoner of Azkaban at $249 million. Now, getting back to Finding Neverland, the shows that beat out Finding Neverland that were just neck and neck, we had Ella Enchanted. This was an animated film. And uh, it had the voices of Anne Hathaway. And um, if you're a fan of Absolutely Fabulous or um, Sapphire and Steel, that sci-fi series from the 70s, Joanna Lumley was the voice in Ella Enchanted. And that brought in 22.9, a little bit better than Finding Neverland. Agent Cody Banks, number two. So there was a sequel. And, was that uh, a, a Matthew Broderick's movie? No, you would think so, but it starred the the lead actor from this kid's show called Malcolm in the Middle. Now, I say kid's show, but he was a teenager, and uh, it was the adventures of a kid in high school. Frankie Muniz, Malcolm in the Middle, brought in $23.6 million. And then lastly, just a hair above Finding Neverland, Around the World in 80 Days with Jackie Chan, and that brought in $24 million. <laughs> oh, it's still more than our movie. Oh, well. Uh, folks, let's get right into the cast. Uh, although, before we do, um, would another clip from the movie be appropriate here? It might be sure. Kind of Once Mr. J.M. Barry has met the charming and enchanting children, of the Davies family, he starts having adventures with them, and this is one of them. Hello! Thought you could escape from Captain Swarley, eh? <laughs> Off to the ship with you then. <laughs> Off to the ship, son. So now you can either choose to become a pirate with the rest of us, <laughs> or we'll toss you to the shark. How marvelous! Or maybe the crocodiles, eh? Excellent work, matey. Now then, now is your only chance to speak. Who amongst you is ready to tie your hopes and dreams to the sea? I am. Not finished yet. To enter upon the most dangerous chapter in your young and soon-to-be-wasted lives. <laughs> what did you say? What are you doing, son? Are you giggling on my ship? Giggling? What did you say? I said I'm ready, Captain. What's your name, boy? I'm Curly, the oldest and wisest of the crew. Cut him loose, matey. Welcome aboard, Curly. Your job will be to mop the deck. And who be you, young squire? My name be Nipsa Cutthroat, spirit boy man and greatly desired by the ladies. Jack! Welcome aboard, Nibs. You shall polish all work surfaces. Grab a hold of that rigging. And you, lad? I'm Peter. That's not a pirate name. What about Dastardly Jim, eh? No. Just Peter. I like my name. Very well. In punishment for lack of an interesting pirate name, Peter shall walk the plane. Cut him loose. So it, the, the the depiction of that scene rather cleverly shows the way they're make-believing and then shows the way they're seeing it in their minds, which is actually on the pirate ship and really on the plank. And so you really feel like I, – I think it visually constructs this idea really well that they're, they're – 
play acting and in their minds, it, it's all very real. Uh, let's go get right into the stirs. Yes. We and, got uh, Johnny. Yeah, and featured yeah, quite prominently in that clip was the voice of the lead role in this film, Toppy. And who is that again? Johnny Depp. Some people love him. Some people don't. And it sometimes is really just about the movies in. But uh, he sure has been prolific. Uh, he was raised in Florida. He left school at 15. He uh, his first role. Uh, what what does everybody in the chat room think his first role in? What was the first movie Johnny Depp was in? He really first uh, gained fame in '87 uh, when he landed a role on TV. Um, I think it was Fox did 21 Jump Street, and uh, Tommy hit it right on the nose. Nightmare on Elm Street was his film debut, and. Um, and, and and then uh, well, he's also famous for Edward Scissorshand. That was around 1990. And um, and then he he would go on to do like six movies over the next five years. And he's, he's still uh, doing a lot. Now, I want to say, DJ, that before Edward Scissorshand, Depp was in, what was the movie? What's Ill Eating Gilbert Grape? Wasn't that before Edward Scissorshand? Yes, and I'm trying to remember. Uh, there was an actor who played the brother in that film who was a young man. He, he, yeah, he was in Titanic. What's his face? Oh, Leo DiCaprio? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, by the way, that was really quite a sensitive, wonderful movie. <laughs> Ed Tudor says, Johnny Depp. Ed Tudor loved him everywhere except Dark Shadows. <laughs> Uh, he's been in a couple of interesting remakes. Um, and like I say, some some people like him, some people don't. So in this movie, DJ, who's playing uh, the co-star? Okay, so uh, Johnny Depp is playing J.M. Barry, the lead. And he was a Scottish author. And he was the man who brought us the story of Peter Pan. Now, his co-star in this film, in Finding Neverland, playing the uh, the widow of Sylvia. And uh, this is played by Kate Winslet. Now, you'll recognize her because she was opposite Leo DiCaprio in James Cameron's Titanic in the 90s. Now, Kate Winslet was born into a family of theater actors, so she did a lot of work before getting on the screen, and uh, she scored her first professional gig at 11. She was dancing opposite a, a character called the Honey Monster. It was in a commercial for kids cereal in England. Oh, oh in England. Okay. Yes. And uh, she started acting lessons around that same time, which led to formal training at a performing arts high school. Now, Kate's film debut was in Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. This was in 94. And she would appear in nine films over the next five years, which included Titanic. And uh, also, uh, you know, more recently, in 2019, she was in a film called Blackbird, which starred Susan Sarandon, maybe another tinfoil hat person. And uh, in 2017, starred in Wonder Wheel. Now, this is a film with Justin Timberlake. And it was a film about an affair that went on between some employees at Coney Island. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about Dustin Hoffman. We know him as the seasoned actor uh, who's been around for decades now. And, of course, he came to light in the 60s with just one hit role after another, starting with The Graduate. And, uh, oh, we've got just so many movies that he's known for. Kramer versus Kramer with Meryl, Meryl Streep. But more recently, he did some TV work um, for, I think, Netflix. And he played in some sort of mob series. I've had to do with horse owning or anyways, don't know much about it. But I think that's like the first thing he ever did. Uh, for for TV, but we don't really call Netflix TV, do we? <laughs> it's it's a thing unto itself. Um, at any rate, um, he also did um, some voice work recently at Kung Fu Panda with Jack Black, 
And uh, we also remember him in Meet the Fockers with Ben Stiller and Barbara Streisand. And and that was actually the same year that he did Finding Neverland. And interestingly, uh, we know he played Captain Hook in 1991's movie Hook. Uh, that was a Steven Spielberg movie, which people either loved or hated. That was another one. Isn't it interesting? And I wonder, you know, did the producers pick him thinking, how clever of us. <laughs> he was in Hook. Um, or did did uh, perhaps Dustin Hoffman know about the project and said, oh, please get me in. I don't know. DJ, let's talk about the director. Okay, actually, uh, just before we do that, sir, we're about halfway through our show. We're going to step on out here to the snack bar where our senior showgirl will be serving up some treats. Gertie, are you still there, ma'am? Yeah, but I'm still sad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll get over it. I'm eating candy. We'll stuff your pie hole and uh, we'll get over ah! it together. So okay. uh, if you folks will hang tight for about three minutes or so, we're going to play a little feature here. It was an interview with a few members of the cast of Finding Neverland. Your play this evening. I think I can do better. Well, that was a disaster. What I felt when I read the screenplay... I thought, you know, this is, uh, I just thought it was a really nice story and a rare thing. It's not a film that you see all the time. It's really, truly a work of pure genius. I mean, it's just, a, it's, a, it's absolutely a masterpiece. Um, an incredible work of imagination. It's just a dog. Peter. Just a dog? The wee bits of imagination. In Peter Pan, there's a place called Neverland. And if you ask people what the metaphor is, you will get different answers. One person may say that it is a journey to imagination, to creativity. Others might say it means you never die. Neverland is the place that exists for all of us. What's it like, Neverland? One day I'll take you there. Child who never grew up because he was, he was always taking us off and playing pirates. Who amongst you is ready to tie your hopes and dreams to the sea? I am! Not finished yet. To enter upon the most dangerous chapter in your young and soon to be wasted lives. <laughs> what did you say? What are you doing, son? So I think it's Barry who. And it, I think it's Barry who's Peter Pan. It's true, he has no shadow. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not Peter Pan. He is. She's fascinated by him in the same way as the boys are fascinated by him. And that's, I think, the kind of wonderful undercurrent of this story is that they're so magnetically drawn to this man. And not because he does anything, not because he entices them in, just by being who he is, you know, and sort of welcoming them into his kind of fantastical world in the way that he does. Excuse me, you're standing on my sleeve. I might point out you're lying under my bench. I'm so sorry, my boy's bothering you. Jay and Barry, pleased to meet you. I think Johnny Depp is just a fantastic actor, and I think he ultimately represents the man who never wants to grow up because he ultimately has this child within him which is still alive, and you can see it in his choices of movies he makes. Graves, you're just having some tea. You remember my mother, of course? Yes, of course. How do you do? <laughs> May I take your hat? And what, what I think that kids or the viewer should, should take away is the importance of you know, freedom, you, you know, your imagination, how important it is to, uh, yeah, to allow your imagination to be free, to be free to invent things, however ridiculous, you know. To not be afraid to take risks. I need to go on pretending with you. You can visit Neverland anytime you like. Now. Just believe. Ready. 
we have a turn. One of the people that you heard in that clip was the director, Mr. Mark Forster. Mr. Forster was German-born. He was born in Bavaria, which is a, a, a region of Germany. Finding Neverland was his fourth film. And prior to this, he did a film called Monster's Ball in 2001. That starred uh, Billy Bob Thornton. And uh, I'm trying to remember, he's the, uh, the ex of, uh, oh, the, the lady that's doing Maleficent these days. Uh, anyways, mm. also uh. Halle Berry in that Monster's Ball. Now, Forrester would direct five films over the next five years, including Stranger Than Fiction in 2006. And this starred Emma Thompson as an author whose uh, work was coming to life on the screen and Will Ferrell. And one of his uh, most notable uh, films Mark Forster directed Quantum of Solace. This was a 2008 film. It was one of the James Bond 007 films with Mr. Daniel Craig, old blondie. And in 2013, most recently, uh, Mr. Forster directed Heartthrob Brad Pitt in a sort of a post-apocalypse zombie film called World War Z. Mm -hmm. That is a really interesting mix of movies. Um, TJ, what did you think about the the score, uh, the music in this uh, Finding Neverland? You know, it reminded me of some of the the older film scores. You know, it had a, it had a full orchestra, and there was a, a wide range of emotion that was portrayed with that music. And it's no surprise that he won an Oscar for the uh, best original score for this. That's right. Uh, it's really nice soundtrack. And the composer is Jan A.P. Kazmarek, and he's uh, Polish-born, over uh, 64 credits of, of film scores. Um, and like DJ said, uh, won the Oscar for this one. Well, we said it was a charming movie, and it was. Tommy told me earlier today that he thought it was somber and a little depressing and I couldn't disagree because it has that side to it. It deals with some serious things, you know, well, the death of a mother who has four children and it's very sad. You know, and uh, I picked this movie as our father's day special because it does explore those themes of fatherhood. Now, um, you know, it goes without saying that Mr. J.M. Barry, of course, passed on a long time ago now, and he was a figure in history. And, uh, you know, as as we are earning our rights and getting equality, there are certain truths that come to light. Now, several sources that I have read suggested that Mr. Barry may have been a gay man. One of the things that was discussed was that although he was married, of course, uh, which was portrayed in this film, his his wife Mary, that he was still with up until he became acquainted with the, the Davies family, Sylvia and her boys. In real life, it's entirely possible that that marriage was never consummated. So historically speaking, when we look back at that period in time, it wasn't an uncommon thing <laughs> that people who may have been closeted may have been in fear of their lifestyle becoming public knowledge would, you know, follow in the footsteps of normalcy. You would take a spouse, you would get married. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, nowadays we, we have less flattering terms for things like that. You know, she might've been called his beard. Finding Neverland, I, I find to be a thoroughly charming film because it does explore those themes of fatherhood. And even though J.M. Barry never got to marry Sylvia, he was made the guardian of the children. Now, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. And uh, with your permission, Toppy, we'll continue the discussion. But I thought I would go ahead and play yet another clip of uh, the, the uh, fun and frivolity that J.M. Barry had with the Davies boys. Okay, let's just welcome Maren Gertz into the chat room. She came in just a little while ago. Welcome, Maren. 
nasty Injun. Our people teach boy Indian ways. Make him great warrior. Our chief, running nose. <laughs> Never let him go. Bang, bang, bang! Me wounded, Peter. Time short. You go. Spread wings and soar like eagle above enemy. Fly back to our chief. Tell her of my brave defeat. That's crazy. Indians can't fly. Of course they can. Go on, go on, go on. Listen to us, boy. This engine kidnapped you. Not true. We kidnapped no one. You lost the boy. I teach you ways of the brave. I take you as my own son. You are not my father. Oh, I'm scared. Fucking like a bit of fun for a change. Stop it, you two! Stop it! Get off! Stop it! Get off! Get off, John! Peter! I'm terribly sorry. Oh, it wasn't your fault. I'm afraid it might have been. To be honest, I'm just happy you got him to join in the game. Oh, yes, I was a tremendous success. Mr. Barry, it's more than I've been able to achieve. Peter's a different boy since his father died. No, I don't think he's even had a good cry about it. Well, grief affects us all in different ways, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Oh, by the way, my wife would like to invite you and the boys over to dinner. Um, your mother as well. Oh. How kind. That would be lovely. Oh, you're going to regret that. <laughs> the, the dinner is um, <clears throat> extremely awkward. Uh, DJ, wouldn't you say these the kids, the actors doing the kid roles, mm -hmm. not one is a misfire. They're all supernaturalistic. You, you don't even believe that they're acting. It, it's that good. Oh, yeah. How they rounded up these kids so well and got such performances and they're in a lot of scenes. They sure are. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead. What I was going yeah. to say, and you know, the, the actor who played the, uh, well, not the youngest boy, but the, uh, the favorite sort of, of Mr. Barry, who he named the character in Peter Pan after Peter, who spoke up in that clip there that he, he liked his own name. Uh, Freddie Highmore played Peter in this film. Now, you may recognize Freddie Highmore from some more recent things he's done. In fact, he was on A&E's uh, Bates Motel series that was on for a while there. And no, was that him? It was all grown up about 10, 15 years after this. With, with the scruff? Yeah. Oh, my Lord, I fell in love with him in that film. <laughs> now, directly after Finding Neverland in 2005, Johnny Depp enjoyed the performance of his co-star, Freddie Highmore, so much that he recommended him for his next project, which was Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. So young Freddie Highmore got to play Charlie Bucket in the Tim, oh, in the Tim Burton film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. So, um, you know, there were some liberties that they took with this story because, of course, this was a family film. And they didn't want to confuse the issue for any children that might have been watching this. But historically speaking, um, J.M. Barry actually was one to hang out in the park there. I think it may have been Kensington Gardens. And... Um, he actually had been a regular in the park for a few years before he he formalized his friendships with the Davies. And um, it actually was suggested in this film that Sylvia was a widow by the time J.M. Barry started hanging out with her children. But in reality, her husband, Arthur Davies, was still very much in the picture now. He was uh, in poor health, and he actually did die of cancer. But that wasn't until after Peter Pan was first put on as a play. So they were sneaking around. Mm. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it goes to show you, though, even though J.M. Barry 
wasn't in a formal relationship with Sylvia. Some of the uh, the undertones of this story were that he uh, he was grieving his lost youth. And uh, do you remember yeah. what happened that sort of shaped his outlook on life, Toppy, to him when he was a young man? J.M. Barry in real life was one of, I believe, uh, I may be confusing, but uh, one of several children in his family. I think he may have been as many as 10 children. And uh, at the age of tender age of six, J.M. Barry lost his older brother, who was 13, just about to turn 14, through a tragic accident while ice skating. So, okay. so uh, a- as a result of that, J.M. Barry was very much a child at heart in his later years because he had a lost youth. That, that tragic moment of losing his brother forever kept him in that state. And, um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it's certainly something to reflect upon, but he did uh, his best to make good in life by trying to be a good role model for the Davies boys. And, uh, you know, even though we're in this period of social distancing and we can't quite do things that we normally do, I, I would recommend or I would suggest any of you who maybe don't want to be a parent per se, but want a mentor, you know, look into your local Big Brothers and Sisters chapter, because I'm sure that there are some young people who could do with some positive role models and you can make a difference you know figure out a way that you could spend some time just an afternoon or something i mean you know you, you it, it's people like jm barry that makes you think about uh the need the want to give back i'm just going to say the, the the scenes that i really loved in this movie are are there's like many uh they're brief but scenes about Behind the, the behind the scenes in theater, like what happens behind the curtain, how things are written and produced, um, and how they were done at that time, um, and I, I found all of that really interesting. I loved the scenes where they're play acting and imagination, uh, or in, in imaginating. They're imaginots, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, they're they're all just done so well, and um, the two that you've told me that that you love are also probably my favorites. You want to tell them about it? Oh yes. So these are the moments you shouldn't miss. If you haven't caught Finding Neverland, and you're about to watch it for the first time, keep your eyes peeled for these moments because they are truly what make it worth watching. So. It's a good part of the way through the film for my favorite moments. It's uh, probably in the last half hour or so. But uh, little Peter, he is uh, sort of lost. In fact, it was probably part of the inspiration for the Peter Pan Lost Boys. The boys had lost their father, and so Mr. Barry was being the role model. Little Peter had received a journal, a gift from Mr. Barry. Of course, it was just a a bound book of pages to write in. But that's how it was in those days. You didn't have a notepad. And uh, Sylvia, the mother, was laying in her sick bed at home in her bedroom on the night of the big play. And little Peter wasn't sure if he should leave the house with his mother. And she reaches into her nightstand and pulls out of the drawer the journal that he had tore up in frustration at the beginning of the film when his mother took to one of her sick fits where she would grab her chest and she would be coughing. And the the other moment that I feel is a moment you shouldn't miss is, of course, Sylvia ends up missing Mr. Barry's play, the the, uh, the... the debut, yeah. Yeah, in 1903, when Peter Pan is first performed. And, of course, it's it's not called Peter Pan just yet. But um, Jam Barry comes to Sylvia's house, and he has the play performed a couple of days later. And uh, it's just a such an enchanting moment, because here she's sitting in her own living room, and she's not sure what's going on and then suddenly the play is being performed for her 
And there are all these undertones, including a scene where Tinkerbell drinks Peter Pan's medicine that has been poisoned so that she saves him from dying. And in that moment, you see it in her face. It's almost as if Jam Barry has brought out an engagement ring and is asking for her hand. Hmm. Um, And I think it has a famous closing scene that's a little, not a little, but quite unforgettable. Um, The last scene in the park. And then they fade away and there's nothing but the park bench. Um, So... I guess we could both say we really love this movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Surprisingly so. When I saw it, I wasn't sure that I was going to enjoy it. And the fact that it's based upon a true story makes that even more enjoyable because now you can go out and read about J.M. Barry and about that period in time. We have mm-hmm. some recommendations that follow suit on that. But uh, before we go ahead and give our related recommendations, our snack tray, going to play just the last clip here. This is when the play is being performed for the first time, and the theater manager played by Dustin Hoffman is worried that the house is not sold out yet. There's 25 seats left. Last call, please, ladies and gentlemen. Last call for the final. Yes, 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 yes. We had time to sell those 25 seats. Please stop. Charles. What? They're here. Who's here? Isn't being a bit late, short legs, long walk from the orphanage. I'm, I'm not clear what they're doing here. You come to see the play? Mm-hmm. That's the 25 seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 25 seats given to orphans. Right. Now my nightmare is complete. You can start your play now. Your play. So the man who had no children of his own, he reserved 25 seats for orphans. And it should be noted that the story of Peter Pan uh, was actually written into Mr. Barry's will that all the royalties would go towards the the Great Ormond Children's Hospital. And, mm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they continued to benefit from that for many years to come. But let's, you know, explain why uh, the orphans were brought in. Uh, number one is... The they were terribly afraid adults would just not get this play, and they thought let's get let's. Typically, kids would not be in the theater at this day and age, um, and they they had uh, the front rows filled with orphan children who, of course, saw and understood everything and responded perfectly by applauding and loving it. And it sort of invited the adults who to, to warm up to it. And, and it worked. Yes, it was a it was a very uh, innovative technique for the time. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised because Toppy and I were discussing this as we watched it together. Yes, we watched it virtually together. Uh, something we hope to share with the rest of you now and then. Stay tuned for details. And um, anyways, it was very touching. And I wouldn't be surprised if the story of Peter Pan in terms of play productions might have been one of the very first or at least earliest instances of audience participation. Because as some of you may not be aware, whenever you have a fairy who's about to die you can bring them back to life through hope. You can tell them that you believe in fairies by clapping, of course. Mm -hmm. DJ, I've got some things I've got to take care of. Um, Love the movie. Thanks, DJ, for putting us all together. Don't forget to tip your chauffeur. Yes. Alrighty, folks. So we have reached the point in the show where we're going to tell you, or at least I'm going to tell you about things that are related to Finding Neverland that you might also enjoy. This is our snack tray. So other good films, and this, and because Father's Day is coming up around the corner here, other 
good father-themed films that I would recommend would include a film that we discussed just this last year, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which had Mr. Dick Van Dyke in the 60s there. Also with Mr. Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins. Because, uh, you know, as you, as you might not know, if you watch the, uh, the continuation of the story of Mary Poppins saving Mr. Banks, the author is played by Emma Thompson, would like you to know that Mary Poppins wasn't there for the children. And, of course, I would also recommend a film with Jodie Foster, Contact, because her character lost her dad at a young age, and uh, much of the film was looking back on his influence. So, uh, wrapping this up, also June 19th, as we mentioned earlier in this program, is Juneteenth, the celebration at the beginning of the end of slavery. A film that I would like to recommend with a similar theme is a film that came out in 2006, which starred Albert Finney, which you might remember from Annie, and um, oh, uh, there's uh, a movie called Aaron Brockovich with Julia Roberts, also Mr. Michael Gambon, and up-and-coming uh, English actor Benedict Cumberbatch, who was in the Sherlock Holmes series that was done. Well, uh, this 2006 film called Amazing Grace, and it explored the... Uh, passing of legislation in the United Kingdom to end slavery. And they did it 20 years before we did here in America. So how about that, folks? All right, folks, I've been passed a note here that uh, Toppy left behind his related recommendations. If you enjoyed Finding Neverland, you'd certainly enjoy the recent Winnie the Pooh movie. And uh, that has um, Ewan McGregor in the lead role there. It's Christopher Robin. It's many years later since uh, the little boy grew up, and now he has a daughter that gets to learn all about the Hundred Acre Wood. And um, also, Toppy would recommend the film with Paul Winfield and Cicely Tyson called Sounder. Okay, folks, I want to thank you for coming tonight. Thank you, Aunt Tudor, Cronehaven, Maureen, and Tommy. And uh, before we conclude, we're going to let you know what is coming down the pike. So we're going to go ahead and grab that bag of coins the magician left behind. And we're going to drop that coin slot. Okay, let me see what we've got here. Oh, we have... It's a 1972 classic TV sitcom that started uh, many people's careers and actually was reinvented at one point. The Bob Newhart Show. The next episode of Matinee Minutia, which is going to be on Friday, July 3rd. And remember, folks, we do take the summer off, so there are only three shows left. And stay tuned for a special farewell to the summer with a possible dedication. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us. And uh, I will do the uh, adieus here. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univazpods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord for chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or let us know how we're doing. Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. Joe's gone wild with Matt and Tom. Speak up. The Smellcast by Tommy Smelly.
be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. Univazpods.net.